welcome to Oklahoma Music Legends. I'm your host, Tommy Henshaw. This Oklahoma music legend, born just south of the Red River in tiny Tioga, Texas, to tenant farmer parents who moved the family a short time later back across the river a few miles north into Oklahoma. From humble beginnings, this legend became one of the most celebrated cowboy singers, movie and television stars of all time. We're exploring Gene Autry. Stand by for the story. Born Orvin Grover Autry in Tioga, Texas, September 29, 1907, just a few weeks before Oklahoma became the 46th state in the Union. Gene's grandfather was a preacher in the little town's church. It was in this church where Gene first began to sing in the church choir. You know, I think it's interesting how many of the great singers in our country and all over the world began singing in their church. When Gene was a small child, the family moved to Akili, Oklahoma, where he learned to do hard farm chores, ride horses, and where his mother began to teach him to play the guitar. When he was about 15, the family picked up and moved to Ravio, Oklahoma, located near Tishomingo. Tishomingo was where Gene went to work for the Frisco Railroad Depot, hauling baggage and doing odd jobs. The depot station manager was so impressed with his work, he taught Gene the skills to be the telegraph operator. It was this skill that would later set his future into motion. After graduating high school, Gene joined the Field Brothers Marvelous Medicine Show, playing his guitar, singing ballads, and doing comedy, all the while earning $15 a week. He traveled with the show for a while until an opportunity arose for him to become the relief telegraph operator at the railroad. This had him working the telegraph in depots from Tishomingo to St. Louis, where he would work odd shifts, and when it was quiet, he would practice playing his guitar and singing in the style of his hero, Jimmy Rogers. By the way, there's a stand-up cutout picture of Gene Autry in the Bristol, Oklahoma Museum, located at the Frisco Railroad Depot, standing right next to the piano he would play when he was working the telegraph in town, along with a letter he wrote to Bristow years later saying how much he enjoyed the folks here in Bristow. According to the Oklahoma Music Guide, written by Dr. Hugh Foley, legend has it that sometime on a day in 1928, Gene was manning the depot telegraph office in Chelsea, Oklahoma. His playing and singing caught the attention of one of the passengers who had gotten off the train. That passenger stood and listened to Autry for a while and then told him, Hey, you know what? You're pretty good and that you need to go to New York City and get onto one of their radio stations. The advice and inspiration was given to Gene by world-renowned Oklahoma humorist, satirist, and star of stage and screen himself, Mr. Will Rogers. It would be nearly a year later before Gene took that advice. Now, sometime in this period, Gene decided to join the Masonic Lodge in Catoosa, Oklahoma, where he became a master mason. Sometime later, the honor of the 33rd degree would be bestowed upon him. This information is engraved upon his grave marker. A picture of a cemetery marker is on the gallery page of our website. In the autumn of 1928, 21-year-old Gene had saved up some money, took advantage of his free railroad pass, and headed up to New York to see if he could make it. The only connections Gene had in the city of New York was a couple of Oklahoma singers, Frankie and Johnny Marvin. Now, his only connection to them is that he had met their parents once back in Oklahoma and felt compelled to get in touch with them. In 1928, Frankie and Johnny Marvin 
were huge and two of the most popular entertainers in New York. The Marvin Brothers were recording artists along with being Broadway and vaudeville stars. The then-famous Marvin Brothers may have begun the tradition that so many Oklahoma music makers continued for many years, offering a helping hand up to help another Oklahoma music maker get a break and to start their career. I'm not sure many, if any, still do that today. After auditioning a few tunes for the Victor Recording Company, the forerunner of RCA Victor, their talent scout told Gene he thought he had some promise, but boy, that you need more polish and practice and that he should go somewhere else other than New York to get the practice. Then maybe in a year or two, come back and try her again. The Victor scout also suggested that he learn to yodel, much like the star of the time, and Gene's singing idol, Jimmy Rogers. Gene took that advice and headed back where? Headed back to Oklahoma. He ended up in Tulsa where he got a job singing on KVOO radio. On KVOO, he was known as the Yodeling Cowboy. For the next year, Gene would perform at parties, school auditoriums, along with his radio work to fine-tune his performance skills. And of course, to make a living. In 1929, Gene returned to New York where, as promised, the Marvin Brothers helped him get a couple of songs recorded at Victor. In October of 1929, he recorded two duets with his Oklahoma buddy, bandmate, and Frisco Railroad co-worker Jimmy Long, who penned the songs My Dreaming of You, playing Hawaiian guitars, and My Alabama Home. Unfortunately for them, 20 days later, the stock market crashed, and the recording industry, along with most others, that shook after the financial market's implosion. Now, later, he did sign a recording deal with Columbia Records. He kept recording and covering songs in the style of Jimmy Rogers. He gained enough confidence to record a song that he and Jimmy Long had written years before while working at the Frisco Depot in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. The song... That silver-haired daddy of mine. Gene was getting so smooth, practiced, and confident. According to the Oklahoma Music Guide, this song hinted at Autry's movement away from the Jimmy Rogers blue yodel style and closer to the style of singing ballads that would evolve into his Western model of warm, sincere songs about the West. He sang about the West that lived in so many Americans' imaginations at the time. I guess the West was a much better place to think and dream about rather than the bread lines, broken fields, and broken dreams of the Depression era. Because of the success of their record, Silver Haired Daddy of Mine, which went on to sell 5 million copies, Vice President of Columbia sent Gene to Chicago to audition for the National Barn Dance Radio Show, which was on the 50,000-watt monster station, WLS. He got the job and was hired as Oklahoma's Singing Cowboy. His success gained him his own radio show named Conqueror Radio Time, where he played a cowboy fresh off the range who told tales and sang songs of the cattle drive. Now remember, the radio station WLS was headquartered in Chicago, which happened to be also the world headquarters for the world's largest retailer at that time, Sears and Roebuck. Before long, Sears began marketing Gene Autry songbooks and the Gene Autry Roundup guitar, only $9.98, less a case, and Autry recordings on the Conqueror label. The Conqueror record label was an offshoot of the American Recording Corporation, it was a special label developed solely for Sears. He
He would work the next four years at WLS where his performance could be heard throughout the Midwest. He would work the next four years at WLS where his performance could be heard throughout the Midwest. This is also where he would meet singer-songwriter and movie sidekick Smiley Burnett. This meeting would pair this duo together in song and movies for many more years to come. In 1934, Gene Autry was a very well-known recording artist in the country. As hard as it might be to believe, this was only the beginning. On the horizon, his film career was about to kick off. 1934 marked Gene's first entrance into film. He made a guest appearance in the film entitled, An Old Santa Fe. The film starred Ken Maynard, who at the time was the number one singing cowboy in film. Now, all the moviegoers and critics said that Autry was the star of the film and that he had certainly upstaged the film star, Ken Maynard. In 1935, Gene was cast in what is now known as a late-night cult, 12-part serial classic, The Phantom Empire, a science fiction western series that ran before theaters' main attraction. In 1935, Republic Pictures released Melody Ranch, which featured Champion His Horse, audiences loved the film, two more films came back-to-back, Sagebrush Troubadour and Singing Cowboy. These two films released at the end of 1935 brought the total of Gene Autry films to four in just four months. In each of his movies, Gene would break into song on average six different times, which created tremendous cross-promotion opportunities for his music. These films also marked the beginning of Autry's well-published and promoted Cowboy Code. This list was first published in 1940, and we'll discuss this list a little later. Over the next 18 years, Gene Autry would go on to star in 91 feature B-Western films. In 1940, he was voted the number four largest box office film star behind Mickey Rooney, Clark Gable, and Spencer Tracy. His major recordings from the 30s and 40s are Tumbling Tumbleweeds, Mexicali Rose, Back in the Saddle Again, I've Got Spurs That Jingle Jangle Jingle, and South of the Border, which all sold in the millions. Ginatri might best be known for his Christmas and holiday songs. Now test yourself, how many do you know the words to? Here we go. Santa Claus is coming to town. Now he wrote Here Comes Santa Claus. Gene Autry said his inspiration for this song came when he was at the Hollywood, California Christmas Parade. And he heard the kids and spectators all hollering, Here comes Santa Claus. There was Frosty the Snowman and his biggest hit ever, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. All in all, Autry amassed some 640 recordings, of which over 300 he had either co-written or, or written himself. He sold over 100 million records and has more than a dozen gold and platinum records, which includes the very first certified gold record, which I believe was that silver-haired daddy of mine. In the fall of 1941, Gene Autry purchased a 1,200-acre ranch in Berwyn, Oklahoma, about 16 miles west of his high school alma mater in Ravio. He intended for the ranch to be a showplace in the home headquarters of his traveling rodeo that sold out venues everywhere it went, like Madison Square Gardens. The town lawman, Cecil Crosby, suggested they rename the town after their new and certainly most famous resident. With the blessing of the townspeople, the postal authorities, and the Santa Fe Railroad, the town's name was officially changed to Gene Autry, Oklahoma, on November 16, 1941, which marked 
the 34th anniversary of Oklahoma statehood. A crowd of some 35,000 attended that day. Supposedly, Autry filmed the event, and it was shown in movie theaters throughout the country. But just a mere three weeks later after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the United States would be drawn into war. World War II would send Gene Autry's career into a total different direction. In 1941, at the height of his career, he reportedly was making over $600,000 a year. After the war broke out, Gene tells Republic that he intends to join the war effort and stop making movies. Republic Studios tells Gene if he stopped making movies to join the war effort, they, Republic Studios, would promote Roy Rogers over him as the singing cowboy. He disregards their threats. Gene Autry left the movie business and joined the war effort, joining the Army Air Service, and he was a holder of a private pilot's license, and he was determined to be a pilot for the AAS. His salary was only $125 per month, as the flight officer with the Air Transport Command, flying supplies over the Himalaya Mountains in the Chinese Burma Theater, which they called Flying Over the Hump. Upon his return from the war, he contractually had to make one more movie for Republic, which he did called Texans Never Cry. Meanwhile, he purchased a significant amount of property in California and created his own Flying A production company and studio. He moved into television producing and starred in 91 of his own television shows, The Gene Autry Show. He also produced other television shows, The Annie Oakley Show, The Buffalo Bill Jr. Show, The Adventures of Champion, a show about his horse, and the first 39 episodes of Death Valley Days, all filmed on his property. The Oklahoma Singing Cowboy had 30-plus top 10 hits. Had the aforementioned that silver-haired daddy of mind? In 1941, he recorded Blueberry Hill, Tumbling Tumbleweeds, Mexicali Rose, South of the Border, You Are My Sunshine, Back in the Saddle Again. You know, every time I think about that song, I think about Burt Reynolds, which they played several times in his movie, starring also Chris Christopherson, Semi-Tough. I'm thinking of my blue eyes, or was it brown eyes? I hang my head and cry. Don't fence me in. At mail call today, I'll be back. Don't hang around me anymore. I want to be sure. Don't live a lie. Silver spurs on the golden stairs. I wish I'd never met sunshine. Wave to me, lady. You only want me when you're lonely. Have I told you lately that I love you? Someday you'll want me to want you. Over and over again, you're not my darling anymore. My favorite cowboy song in 1949 ghost riders in the sky nobody's darling but mine and here's his holiday hits as we said before here comes santa claus right down santa claus lane buttons and bows rudolph the red-nosed reindeer peter cottontail frosty the snowman up on the housetop and just to mention a few of his awards he's the only performer to have five stars representing five different categories on the hollywood walk of fame In 1998, he was inducted into the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame. He's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. In 2010, the Postal Service honored him with a stamp. And there are so many more. Over Gene Autry's career, he has over 635 recordings, of which he either co-wrote or wrote 300 of them. 
sold 100 million records in his recording career that spanned across three decades, 1930s and 40s and 50s. In 1990, when the Gene Autry High School in Oklahoma was closed, the building was turned into the Gene Autry Oklahoma Museum. It is open Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 10 until 4 and Sundays from noon until 4. The museum is run solely by donations, and they ask that you enter through the gift shop and give whatever you are comfortable donating. They boast the world's largest collection of cowboy movie memorabilia from the 20s through the present day. If you're interested, the museum is located just off Interstate 35 south of Oklahoma City, very close to Ardmore. Gene Autry was a gentle man who had the ability to see into the business future. He was active in rodeo and rodeo stock. He invested in real estate, owned both television and radio stations. I thought this fitting. From the Dying Republic Pictures Company, he bought the rights for all the films he had made for them. He loved baseball. Upon learning Major League Baseball was thinking about adding a franchise in Southern California, he approached Major League Baseball to see if he could carry the team on his radio station. The league was so impressed with Mr. Autry, they convinced him into taking an ownership position, which he did and later became the sole owner of the California Angels. There is so much to this very successful man. I thought it was best to close like this. Now, remember his cowboy code that we spoke about earlier? I believe he lived it, and I believe it sums up this very special Oklahoman. This comes from the Gene Autry website. Number one, the cowboy must never shoot first, hit a smaller man, or take unfair advantage. Number two, he must never go back on his word. Number three, he must always tell the truth. Number four, He must be gentle with children, the elderly and animals. Number five, he must not advocate or possess racially or religiously intolerant ideas. Number six, he must help people in distress. Number seven, he must be a good worker. Number eight, he must keep himself clean in thought, speech, action, and personal habits. Number nine, he must respect women, parents, and his nation's laws. Finally, number 10, the cowboy is a patriot. Oklahoma singing cowboy certainly was a patriot. The Oklahoma singing cowboy rode away the final time on October 2nd, 1998 at the young age of 91. You've been listening to Oklahoma Music Legends. Hey, tell your friends we can be heard on Spotify, iTunes, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, Google Music Play, and on our website, oklahomamusiclegends.com. Click on the podcast tab and you can see and choose from any of our episodes. Hey, please like us on Facebook. For Oklahoma Music Legends, I'm Tommy Henshaw. Hey, thanks for listening.